throws it deep downfield to Tyree, who makes the catch at the 23-yard line. What a play by Manning, and what a catch by Tyree. Manning airs it out down the field. It is caught by Tyree. Tyree just goes up for it like a basketball player. Harrison trying to knock it down. Pressing it against his helmet as he goes to the ground and not dropping it. Welcome to Catch the Moment Podcast. It's your boy, David Tyree. I'm back again, not only with somebody very, very special. We got a lot of history, but we're going through process, journey, and pain points. I'm with family, Monty <laughs> Toomer. He's here with me, the greatest receiver in Giants history. I got to say that because... It's the truth. What's good, my boy? <laughs> How you doing, man? Listen, man, thanks for coming through, man. It's been a little bit of time with, you, with me, man. Just, what, 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 what you been up to lately, bro? Uh, I've been up to a lot of raising kids. Yep. Um, <laughs> I'm really trying to uh, just expand business-wise. I feel like once I got done playing, I just wanted to stay close to the sport. Yeah. And so I did media for a couple years. You was doing good, in my opinion. I was doing well, but I just it just wasn't fulfilling. You know, what I mean, okay. it's like you got to one thing that I tell people who get done playing is you got to find your purpose. That's good. And you got to find your purpose before it's too late. You got to find your purpose, preferably right when you get in the league, that you mm -hmm. figure out something that you like to do and, and work towards that goal. Yeah. Um, but I had I, I wanted to get in the media because it was something I thought. I, well, my buddy Jesse did it. Jesse yeah. Palmer did it. I'm like, well, if he can do it, I could do it. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I love yeah. it. <laughs> so then I did that for a couple of years and it was okay. It was cool. But like, I just talking junk about people. You know how hard the game is. Bro, it's, it's real. It's hard. You got to have something to say and you got to have something to say that people are interested in. Yeah. And it's like, you know, sometimes there's just something. The thing about athletics is like from the outside looking in, especially in the NFL, it looks very exciting. Yeah. But when you're inside, it is mundane and routine <laughs> and it's not very exciting. So most of the time in sports, it's not very exciting for the players. Yes. Practice, meetings, you know, all this stuff that nobody sees. It's not very exciting. Yep. So there's some times where a story comes out and you're just like, ah, it doesn't really make any sense to me. And then you're like, no, you got to talk. The producer's like, you got to talk about this. Yeah. Like, can really talk about. <laughs> no, no, you got to fix it. And then you can't be on the fence about anything. That's true. You got you, you got to have a clearly <laughs> defined opinion, right? Yeah. Hey, listen, I, I I understand some of those difficulties because you know some things there is like this 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 gray area where it's really not that important. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, like you know, in relation to like, no, I don't have like this deep deep you know infatu you know infatuated opinion about yeah. how great this is or how important this is. Yeah. This is just a part of it. Yeah. And no, that, that doesn't give the sound bites that everybody's looking for. But um, man, you you like I said, I've obviously we transitioned around the same time mm. out, you know, although you played 13 years. 13, yeah. So I'm a I'm a, you know, I we are we are gonna kinda peel it back because there's there's enough that I know, there's there's a little that you can kind of, you know, there's enough that you can find. Um, you might not know this, but I think I was like in definitely in high school somewhere, Nike jerseys were like, you know, that was like a big thing, college Nike jerseys. Mm -hmm. And I'm in a Foot Locker, and the first dope Nike jersey I ever purchased, it had like the 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 fluffy M, yeah, was yeah. A Michigan jersey, yeah. number eighteen, yeah, yeah. Right. So I don't know if I ever mentioned that while we were while we were teammates. No. But um, that was like, you know, I was feeling real good about that purchase. <laughs> That's great, man. <laughs> Yo, so um, like it's 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 really cool. You know, like I actually make that connection, but uh, you know, you can't sweat people too hard when you're in the same locker room, right? <laughs> yeah. But you know, like I mean, like your 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 career. There's a few things that you know on you know more on the life side, but on the sports side, the most impressive part. And I want to get into the process journey, but the most impressive experience that I had as a young player coming in and looking at the number one receiver for the Giants at the time was your competitive drive. So. Me acknowledging that I'm, I do want to kind of like what is for me, it's always about like that journey and makeup. How did that develop? Whether that goes back to, you know, childhood, like what that was for me, that was the defining. I want to get your feedback, mm -hmm. but like that was the defining attribute from that set Amani Tumor apart in my personal estimation. So where did that come from? Uh, 
I I think you're born with it, but mm -hmm. I think the fact that I really enjoyed playing sports and yeah, I, I wasn't going to play unless I was going to win. So <laughs> I, 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 I had this, un, it was, it's an unhealthy uh, competitive drive. I'm, I'm, Absolutely unhealthy. It's, I'm glad you acknowledge it. <laughs> uh, you don't know how many friends I lost growing up because if they, if my friends would come to my house and they beat me in anything, cards, checkers, anything, <laughs> I would not let them leave my house until I beat them. So they were prisoners. Yeah. And I, and it wasn't beat them once. I had to beat them to the fact that they know that I know <laughs> that they know that I dominated them. And that's it. I mean, I have a friend, my friend, Sam, I grew up with him, uh, Sam Roberts. He's, yep. he's my, he's a, one of my best friends. And I, I talked to him, I was texting him this morning and he was like, yeah, I used to go up and I'd play games and play ping pong. Yeah. And it was like, I, it was the worst. I remember, <laughs> it was so bad. Like I went to a, uh, I did a speech at a high school. Our coach knew somebody. Uh, high school coach? No, our, our pro coach. Yeah, yeah, Reeves, yeah, Fossil, no, yeah. No, it was a position coach, the wide receiver Sully? Coach. No, before Sully. Oh, Robinson, Jimmy yeah, Robinson. Yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy Rob. Rob. Big Jimmy shot, Jimmy Rob. Rob. Yeah, big shot to Jimmy Rob. <laughs> Jimmy Robinson, you know, I met one of his, uh, he, one of his high school friends, you know, was a big time trader or whatever. So I went to speak to his sons, that their banquet, their, their yep. celebration yep. banquet. So we speak, everything goes well. And all of a sudden there's a ping pong table. And I'm like, I can't do this. I cannot do this. I know me. I can't just play for fun, right? <laughs> so we get to playing, and I, you know, I win the first game, no problem. The second game, I lose. Third game, I lose again. It's like and all, you feel it all rising up. All the extreme, everything that I had, like you know, loose fitting off. <laughs> I'm sweating, right? And I'm not cursing, but I'm close to curse. I'm like, son of a buck, son of a buck. And then the guys were like, are you all right? And I'm like, no, no, let's keep on playing. And I wouldn't stop. I just got done doing a speech about all this stuff. I'm sweating, right? This is legendary. In, in somebody's backyard. They just have, and it was, just, it was just so embarrassing, but I couldn't stop it. I had to, I had to win. So you have an unhealthy relationship with it's, competition. Oh, it's so bad. Wow, I, I mean, it's really bad. And in college, I, it was even worse because I stopped playing video games because I used to play video games and play Madden. Mm -hmm. And if I won, I was supposed to win. But yeah. if I lost, it would ruin my day. Mm. So I was like, "Yeah, I, I, it's not. It's no. It's a no-win situation for me." Got it. So I stopped. I stopped doing all that stuff. I, 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 I don't like playing with my kids because I mean, I'm a. Yeah. We play. She, my son likes to play basketball now. No easy wins. That bow is coming out. If he's getting too close, that bow is coming out. <laughs> that is fantastic, bro. Well, like I said, you know, like obviously, I, I, I can, I can get, I can see in, in, in spaces and pockets, right? We're on the field, so it's, it's, it's the best place for it to be. Yeah. When I in our work environment, but you know, all right. So obviously, I think there's something ingrained about it. Talk to me about, you know, you grow up. I, it's easy for me to make the connection. Um, I know your high school is known for the what at least the 150 game plus win streak. Yeah, you were a part of that. So did, did you lose any games? I lost the last game to start the streak, but we had a 44 game win streak to 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 start that streak. Dang. So we won 44 games, lost my senior year, my last game, and then they didn't lose until I want to say. My fifth or sixth year in the NFL? Yeah, it was like like it was ridiculous. Yeah, it was ridiculous. So, so, so you you you're you know, like talk talk to me just about like you know, obviously sports was yeah that that foundational piece. Yeah, what was life like growing up in California? Where were you? What was home looking like? And yeah. and who introduced you to sports? How it became a foundational part of your life? Oh man, I grew up in Berkeley, California. Um, I grew up in kind of like a, it's like a hippie place. Okay. So there was like a lot of hippies around. So it was, it was a good environment to like, you know, it, it wasn't traditional. Like yeah. it, it was a lot of free thinkers, a lot of open minds, a yep. lot of like all kinds of stuff. So, um, I, I really enjoyed my childhood. I had a lot of good times, you know, doing like different stuff that I never thought I'd be doing. We'd go to like beaches and skateboarding and I, play, I did BMX racing. I did like, I did all kinds of stuff. My parents put me in everything. I did ballet, I did piano, I did so, everything. So you had a little taste of the X Games and you know. Yeah, yeah, before the X Games with the X Games, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
so that was so and that was one, to me that was one of the biggest surprises, right? So like I'm I'm East Coast. Um, you know, now I grew up in a diverse town in Montclair. So, yeah. you know, you know, like, you yeah. know that. So I'm very, you know, like that served me extremely well. Yeah. But the funniest part is when I meet you, like, number one, your name's Imani. Yeah. So like, you know, and that's when I think about your age, you're a few years older than me. I'm yeah. like, that's cutting edge, Imani. I mean, like, yeah, yeah. that was like, yeah. e that, like that ethnic kind of name. Yeah, I'm yeah. thinking like, number one, he's a beast. Yeah. Number two, uh, he's black dude. His name is Imani. Yeah. I'm like. I'm expecting a little more grit, not not the. But when I speak, you sound like Berkeley, California. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, yeah. so. But here's something I've always connected with you, and you know, you share with me your thoughts. Like, you 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 don't have like amidst the diversity, you you have an interracial interracial marriage. Yeah. You also have this deep connection to who you are as a black dude, right? Yeah. So tell me about your your like that dynamic. How how diversity served you well, but also your just your, your real experience and connection. Oof, man, because I, I think that you know people who grew up in all black communities or people who grew up in all white communities. You know, I don't know if they really dealt with the hand to hand fighting of racism. Mm. But when I grew up, I grew up in a, a very diverse area, and then I went. I grew up. I went to. School in San Francisco was a very diverse school for uh, in junior high, which which was which was cool. But then I went to an all white high school out in Concord, which is like a very white area. Got it in the valley they call it. And so, like, I didn't think much of racism. I didn't think anything of it. And then, like, I was uh, I guess I was dating this girl. There it is. <laughs> and and her parents found out that I was black, and it was like. And that just totally changed my whole, because it's like, that's the first time where I realized that, you know, there is some, you know, it's, it's, it's there. It didn't just die in the seventies and sixties, <laughs> but, but you, you know, you know, it doesn't. Right. But when you, when it goes to you and, you know, yeah. and it's like, wait a minute, I'm, I'm this, I'm that, I'm this, I'm doing this. I'm good in school. I'm yeah. That, nothing matters. Yeah. It's just because of the, of your, your skin. Right. And um, it was just the weirdest feeling. So like, I felt like I was on the front lines. Mm, you know what I mean? Like good. the front lines. So I had a choice to make. Like, could I, I could try and fit in or I could just be like, nah, man, this is who I am. This is what I am. And, and uh, that's what I did. I really, you know, because my parents, I think they did a great job because I grew up around a lot of white people. Yeah. But they did a great job of like telling me who I was that's and excellent. telling me what it is. I mean, my name is Imani because- you know, back when I was growing up, it was popular to have, you know, I mean, this is like Malcolm X, not a little after Malcolm X, but yeah. like, you know, it was popular to have, to name your kids after, you know, African names, it yeah. was like an African name movement. Yeah. And so, and growing up in Berkeley, it was, you know, it was, it, it was, it was no, fairly normal, right? Okay. I got a lot of friends named Ajay. I got friends named, you know, Excellent. all kinds, all kinds of, um, um, all kinds of African names. Excellent. And uh, it was it was a different type of, uh, a different type of struggle mm. than I think a lot of people dealt with because it was more hand to hand. And so I had, just like I said, I had a choice to make, whether I wanted to try and fit in and be something else or I could just, you know, dig in and get to myself. And I always thought like, you know, I, I respected my parents. I respected mm. all that stuff. And I wanted, I didn't want to like, I felt like if I tried to go the other route and try to fit in with like the white kids and mm -hmm. I fit in cause I fit in anywhere, but like, yeah, but that's, that's, that's part of, that's part of, yeah. I mean, I, I fit in anywhere, but it's like, I, I just didn't want to like, I, I'm, I'm black, you know what I mean? And yeah. I'm proud of it and I'm not going to hide it and I'm not going to sugarcoat anything about it. Yeah. And, you know? And, uh, but one of the things that I did have as a problem was, was when I went from Mich from, uh, the white high school back to a, you know, a black environment, which was football at Michigan. Mm they all thought I was white. And I'm like, yo, like I went to Michigan because they have a, they have like 8% black student body. Okay. So there was a lot of black kids there that weren't athletes. Cause every other school I went to, the only athlete, only black kids on campus were athletes. Okay. So at Michigan, it wasn't like that. So that's why I went. Got it. So then I go to Michigan, they call me white. And I'm like, what the hell? I was like, this is crazy. Like, this is hey, why listen. I went here. You yeah. know what I mean? So then it was just one of those situations where it was really uncomfortable because, you know, I, I just didn't, I didn't fit in at Michigan at all because you got people from Detroit that never even, go. never even been around a white person. It's more about the, 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 the poor poverty 
dialects, experiences, because like I said, I, I grew up, I grew up with a taste of everything. Yes, yes. And so it served me so well. Yeah. I mean, like growing up in East Orange, which is extremely urban. Yeah. A lot of challenges economically. Yeah. Then moving into Montclair yeah. in sixth grade. Yeah. I still had some of those structures, like yeah. all my family's from Newark, Irvington, yeah. East Orange, yeah. bringing that edge. But then I'm in Montclair after a few years, yeah. like, oh, it's actually, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, one of the things like me going into sports so much is because that was like, because I played soccer growing up for a long time. And soccer, you know, mostly white sport. Yep. We went in the Bay Area back in time was playing. Well, I and think then, still so. And, <laughs> and then I got to play football and that was like, one of, there was like no white people on my whole team. Mm. So I was like, this is where I fit in. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so for me to like force myself, cause it, I mean, it was uncomfortable. Cause I mean, you grew up around all white people. There's yeah. a, there's a certain, there's a certain rhythm to how they act Absolutely. towards each other. And then you get around all black kids and it's like, it's the same. You just, it's just a different you gotta rhythm. Learn that. <laughs> it's a different rhythm, but it's the same. You know, you got guys that are jerks. You got guys that are great people. You got That's guys it. with high integrity. You got low, you know, you just got to figure that out. That's and, excellent. And being able to go to both worlds and kind of figure all that out. But then, you know, you know, in, in California, you got the Spanish community. Yeah. You got the Filipino, you got Absolutely. the Asian, you know, you got the, you know, all kind Hawaiian. It's, it's like all kinds. So it was really a great experience, but at the end of the day, like I did most of my stuff trying to get closer to the black community growing yeah. up, growing up. And that's kind of, I mean, I, I don't, you know, I, people ask me I talk. I mean, I don't know how else to talk this is how I talk, you know? <laughs> well, yeah, I'm one of these defenders of, you know, the fact that most, so, you know, people can easily be insulted and sometimes it really is insulting. Yeah. It's like when somebody says, oh, you speak so well, right? Yeah. So that can be like abrasively insulting, but I know sometimes what people are actually trying to say is you speak like you're educated. Yeah. Okay. Right? Okay. So because when you're less educated, yeah, right, yeah. then you don't, you, you might not master the English language. It yeah. actually has, like, there is a way yeah. to pronounce certain things. Yeah, yeah. Right. But you know what? But I, I, I get what you're saying, but it's like, why do, like, I think we're one of the only cultures that, I remember talking to some kids in Michigan. They were like, yeah, I'm from Dayton. That's the murder capital of the world. There like, you go. Are you proud of that? Like, that's something to be proud of. Like, and then you realize, I don't care where you're from. You got strong people in the hood. That's you right. You got weak people you got in the weak hood. People. That's right. There's guys from the worst parts of whatever. You play against them in sports and you throwing them on the ground. You're like, man, that's all you got. That's you know? all you got. So that's, so it, it's, it's more of a, a personal thing. So, it is. And I think I get, I get people all the time. Oh, he's so nice. And, and it's just like, you just don't know me well enough. I may, I talk a certain way. Yeah. And not like I'm a, I'm a jerk or nothing, but yeah. I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not like, a, I'm not an easy win. No, no. <laughs> and that's, that's the way we assess people based off of what we're familiar with. Mm -hmm. And I said, thank God for MMA these days. Cause I don't, I've always respected every man. I've never walked around looking for, mm -hmm. for drama, mm -hmm. but I'm like, listen, you, you walk up on the wrong joker these days and they would end up choking your behind. Okay. Man, I, I tell you, I, I, I went to, I take jujitsu. Yep. And uh freaking jujitsu, bro. It is it is the most humbling experience you have. There you go. Because if you don't know it and somebody knows it, you're in trouble. Mm. If they get a hold of you, I don't care how strong you are. I don't care how big you are. If somebody knows it, you are in trouble. Wow. Bro. Because they don't go for like, oh, I'm gonna let me, uh, you know, ooh, I really would have hurt you. They're like choking you and you're like, <laughs> you know, or, or they're like off your arm bar and they're about to break your arm. You know what I mean? Or they have a shoulder lock. Good. It's it's just not, it's not a, it's not. It's not a street fight. No, <laughs> it's maiming. Like they're trying to maim you and, and immobilize you. That's crazy. I tell people, anybody that's well-skilled and well-trained, you, sh you should just be afraid of. No, it's, it, you know. No, but man, I'll tell you, my first couple classes, I was like, you know, because I was a black belt from foot. I'm like, man, I'm going to be doing that. I'm like, oh, I'm tapping my out. Like, it's amazing. I got to put that. So when you said jujitsu, in my mind, I'm thinking like, oh, yeah, I knew he did jujitsu. When no. you was out, it was kung fu that you were I did kung you were, fu back. You and uh, Big Howard Cross was doing back Yeah, then. yeah. So, so now you're doing jujitsu. That's, yeah. that's more recent. Yeah. And yeah. That is, that's, we got to make that's sure we problem. get to some of that. That's so that's a problem. a problem. It's a problem. And then, like, you got guys five seven, five eight, and then you, they get on you, and you're like, 
oh, I'm just lift them off. And they're like, what the? Like, bro, I'm telling you, man, these, these little dudes, man, if you see somebody with the ears that are all jacked up, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, man, if you do that again, you walk away. <laughs> I, I don't mess with people. I don't I mean, like, people. listen, that's just my thing in general. Like, yeah. for what? Like, you know, it, it serves no one any. But yeah, that. that <laughs> but that was some good stuff right there. All right, so before I get too far into, you know, because your 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 off the field life is probably one of the most robust <laughs> that I know. Before I get too far into the, to just I want to peel back and really take a look at some of your body of work because it is like insanely impressive, and I don't know, you know, if if you actually get the respect, you know, just I've watched you, so you got my highest respect, but. You got like this whole line of pedigree from high school to obviously Michigan, at least back in the day was. <laughs> We're good this year. We're good this last Y'all year. Y'all did come back into, into the, to the respect conversation. And then you obviously end up playing your entire career with the, I would still say, the flagship organization of, of the National Football League with the Giants. So, but you got not just play, bro. You got all the freaking records, maybe aside from single season, right? I think Victor... Might have that one. to clip me on that one. He clipped yeah. you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, 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 it was Steve Smith got me. He, he got you? He got me on the catches. You sure? I think he, I, single, was single season? Single season. Single okay, season. okay. All right. And then I think. But it's a different, you know, it's diff, different era. He plays 17 games, man. and Different era, bro. Eli was, Eli too. He, I, I played There's with. There's Eli 1.0. We played with That's, the beta. We played yeah. with the beta version. <laughs> we played with the beta version. Eli, we love, bad, we, Eli we, was, we love you, bro. But it was, was definitely, a, you were a different quarterback better. after you he, won the Super Bowl. He improved. That's yeah. all I'll say. He improved. Yeah, man. So, bro, I like. Like for whatever reason, you you've been in the middle of pedigree everywhere, bro. So like most most of us, like you said, we come from the mud and you get the adversity. What was like I get the competitive. You you're born that way, you're ingratiated. Was there any significant moments as you were growing up through high school where something clicked and it's just like, I'm that dude? Um, you know, like this is what wired me to be that yeah. guy. No, I, I just didn't care about most of that stuff. And that, that's kind of, I think, one of the reasons why I never was, um, like, looked upon in a different way. Like, I wasn't like Ocho Cinco, like, mm -hmm. wearing the Hall of Fame jacket or T.O. with the popcorn. I just wouldn't, I didn't, that stuff didn't, that wasn't why I was doing it. So what was it? I just loved competing. There was something about a quarterback and a receiver there's something about that dynamic when I was mm. with Carrie. There was something about that that it was just there was something that I I can't even explain it, but I loved it. Mm. I loved that because what I, what made me respect you even more is that when you came into the league, high expectations, dynamic career at Michigan, but the success wasn't immediate. No, and it actually was you know I was it, on the way out. Yeah, it was it was kind of like yeah. we, we don't know. Yeah. He was doing the thing as the punt returner. Killing the game there, but that's not what they drafted you for. No. So how did you handle that? How how did you handle all of that mentally, emotionally? What were like how how does Amani Tuna overcome adversity? You know, like what were the, what were the things that really got you through? Well, I, I, it, one of the things was yeah, I had a coach in Jim Fossil who was brutally honest with me, right? Mm. So I remember, you know, because you know when you're young, you feel like the only reason why, like you you don't have a really good worldview of like macro view of a team and the team dynamics, right? Okay. You think everything runs through you, right? Absolutely. So I was not playing. And I remember there was a guy named Kevin Alexander and he, me and him and David Patton, art rest in soul. Yep. Uh, man, man big, 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 big respect big to David respect Patton. To uh, David Patton. Just never met him, but he was a hero from a distance. Just an unbelievable um, spirit mm. in terms of, he was always positive. Like, you know, you see people that are always positive and you're like, oh, that guy's always, this guy. It didn't him come off. Him and Tabidi Davis were the two guys that I was looked at. I'm like, how are you always so happy? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> how do you always have a smile on your face? But anyway, so going back to what I was talking about. Um, so, you know, you think that, oh, he doesn't like me. Yep. You know, oh, he don't like me. That's why. It's, he, he has something personally against me. Hey, bro. Hey, just just sidebar. It happened back. It happened before the the Generation Z. And he, you know, like yeah. a lot of athletes thought that yeah. way. Yeah. Go ahead, bro. So so I went to him and I'm like, yo, like, why am I not playing? He goes, well, first of all, uh, you don't know the playbook. 
right? <laughs> and I'm like, mm, I think I do, but okay. Then he's like, uh, you're always, you're not in good condition. You're, you're always, you always last when you were running gassers. Uh, and then he's like, and then you just, you just can't get off the line of scrimmage. Like, I don't see you getting off the line of scrimmage and separating. So I was like, first of all, you hear those things from the head coach who, you know, and you're trying to go into a year and try to impress. And you're like, man, these are three major strikes basically against, especially as a receiver. Yeah. You can't get off the line of scrimmage. Dead. You don't know the position. You don't know what you're doing and you're out of shape. I mean, what, what are you there for? Right. <laughs> so I go, yo, so I went home and I was depressed and I was mad and I was angry. And I remember we had just lost a playoff game to the Minnesota Vikings. And I'm watching the game. I'm watching the next week, the Kansas city chiefs are playing somebody and they win a game. And I'm sitting there like, I could have helped my team. Mm -hmm. I need to find a way to help my team because I know I'm better than what they are. They, they are showing me. And you know, those three things ended up being pillars of like, Oh, well, I'm going to make him think of three different things next year because I'm getting down the field. So I went out and I used to run every day. I used to run miles every day. Then I went and took Kung Fu and I used to like practice Kung Fu and practice my hands to try to get off the line of scrimmage. It's huge. And then I took the quarterback when, you know, we were in there and I'm like, yo, explain me everything. Explain me all the protections, explain me all the, every check, everything. Where am I hot? Why would I be hot? What is this defense? Yeah. And Kent Graham did that. He took me in there and he just sat there and we went over all different things. Three down, four down, five down, you know, the bear, yeah. All this stuff, stuff that receivers don't really need to know. At right? all, but it, but it enhances your view of the ex game. Exactly. Man, it allows you to play, like you said, play, play way faster. Right? Exactly. So, wow. so then that happened, and I went out there, and it didn't even happen immediately because Chris Calloway started my third year. No, my, yeah, my third year, and that was the year I really started to grow. You know, yep. I, I ended up, I think I caught – I had like 27 balls I caught, but I mm -hmm. caught five touchdowns. Nice. So they were like, you know. Oh, that's a hell of a ratio. They were like, all you okay. do is catch touchdowns, you know. <laughs> but because um, I used to just go deep. Like I was a third round receiver and yeah. I'd go against their third corner and it was like. Bacon. It was, it was. I was good like, home cooking. I was like, I'm good, you know. <laughs> so, so that. I, I couldn't live with that role. Yeah, yeah. I was like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm good, you know, because you'd never play against the number one, right? Mm. So then. You know, as I progressed and I started getting the number one, your game constantly got to keep evolving. You know, yeah. it's more of like a mental game. You got to be, it's all about the technique and all this stuff. So it was, it was a, it was a fun experience learning these different, these different uh, gems yeah. to success. That's, that's pretty neat actually hearing you, hearing the story of how it evolved. Cause I just always knew that that was a reality. Cause number one, like I said, I had your Jersey in high school and I'm like, well, why he ain't shining yet? You know? <laughs> yeah. And I used to hate on the Giants, So I was okay with it. But, yeah. um, yeah. but no, it was, it was, it was dope. Cause by the time I get into the national football league, it's like year seven or, or eight for you. And, and I felt like, you know, I'm like, well, I had to find the person I was going to imitate. And I was like, well, Amani's too, much of a deep threat for me to imitate. <laughs> so I, I roll with I, but you, you had your, your work ethic and competitiveness. I could easily identify with. So I was always wonder like, man, I wonder what, what really clicked for this dude. And it's really dope to hear you actually, you know, cause that conversation could have went two ways. Exactly. And that's usually the way it goes. Exactly. It's either going to kill, kill a player mm -hmm. Or is going to save them. Yeah. And for you, like I said, 13 seasons. Yeah. This this is, I, I think your record is safe, bro, in my personal opinion, yeah. because I don't know if there's ever going to be another player that's going to have the longevity in yeah. this modern day NFL. Yeah. Have you given that thought in relation to your accomplishments, to I, where you sit? I mean, I'm very proud of those records, but I know that they are uh, meant to be broken, right? Yeah, that's true. So, you know, like, I know that when I left, I had all the records, right? Yeah. And when I left, I was like in the top, 45 all time, right? Like oh. I knew that. So, you know, the game has definitely changed. I remember we used to throw the ball 20 times a game and yeah. that was like, wow, we're really doing something. Now it's like, <laughs> if you run the ball 20 times a game, they're like, what are you doing? Bro. So it's, it's, it's different, but I, and I love today's game. It's yeah. so much more exciting to watch, especially as a receiver, because there's more technique involved, even though I don't think their technique is up to snuff. Most of the time. So give me that. Cause that's what I like. So, you know, like there's, I don't have like, I don't have like massive memories, but I would always tell people, I was like, you don't understand what made this dude so good. 
I don't think there was ever anyone, and Steve Smith was the closest, the only that I can re- recall, who had better positioning as a receiver. And when does that, when did that become a focal point for you as a receiver? I was like, you're the only person who catches deep balls over the shoulder yeah. constantly yeah. and had the ability to slow down yeah. to actually draw a pass interference. Yeah. So like, like talk, just, just, just briefly kind of share like your mental makeup, how you evolved, and maybe who were the people that really added to your, your growth you know, as a, cause these things still, you process and you think the same way, yeah. even in, when you go into business, yeah. different, you, you're trying to analyze, yeah. improve. So yeah. who, how, how does that, obviously it came, it started there, but how does that evolve? Uh, I think it's good coaching. You know, that that's the thing about it. Like Jimmy Robinson um, uh, and Fred, Fred Jackson was my coach, my first coach. And he was really one who kind of got me learning how the, 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 the psychology on how to get off the line of scrimmage because it's not all physical. Like you have to think these guys, you know? Yep. A couple times you got to go inside, then you got to go outside. So then you can set up every, both ways because if you were constantly going outside, taking that outside release, then they're going to time that outside release. Absolutely. So you got to always be thinking, even on a run play, you got to be thinking the game always. Yeah. And that's the, when you go to that next level. You got to be thinking it. You can't just be like, okay, I'm going to run this route. You got to think, okay, I'm going to run this route. Well, how did I run it last time? This is good. This is good. How did I, how did I, how did he, what did I do two weeks ago that he might've seen on film? So this is self-scout. <laughs> I mean, this is what I love it. Cause I can see it in my own life. I can see it in business. You yeah. actually have to scout yourself yeah. to understand how to improve yeah. and deliver the diamond moving forward. Right. Yeah. yeah. But that, that's so obviously coaching, coaching. You mentioned Jimmy Robinson. He was my rookie year coach. Yeah. Only had one year with, 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 with J Rob, but great dude. Yeah. Um, who would you say like, you know, like any, and I'm just speaking to this as a whole. Yeah. Right. Cause you know, like honor is like this big thing in my world. Like, you know, like for whatever reason, like America's the city where everything's possible, you know, it's, and you, you travel a lot. Yeah, so yeah. you, you begin to pick up it's, on it's honor in, other, in Eastern culture. So yeah. we're almost like an honorless culture where we're not, we don't have a habit of really bestowing honor upon people who are paying a part of our process. The only thing we honor in this country is money. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it. it is. It, it's, it's just the money, money and power. Money, 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 money. Yeah. So it's 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 sad, but it. But so who were the people that you know, like, were those pivotal people that shaped you and or really guided your growth and maturity to who you are now? Uh, I think my brother and my father both really have played a big role in that. I think uh, my high school football coach, just the way he was um, in terms of really being able to whittle down to what's important. Uh, this is good. Like what's important and what makes him happy, right? Because he, this guy won hundreds of games in a row, was one of the all-time leading coaches, never even thought about going on to the next level to college. You know mm-hmm. why? He didn't want to. It's fantastic. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that he didn't fantastic. want to. He could have made a whole bunch more money. Yep. He could have been a lot more famous. Yep. He could have been the best coach ever but he was in his own way. Yeah. And it's funny because I remember there was a guy in my school. It was like, hey, everybody wants to be famous. I would want yeah. to be known for something. And there was a guy in my school. His name was uh, uh, Kent Heydrich, Heinrich. And he had this thing. He'd get on the morning show. He'd do the Heinrich maneuver where he'd take a piece of, uh, tw- <laughs> of uh, dental floss, yeah. snort it through his nose. Yep. And then he'd pull it out his nose and he'd have it in his mouth and in his nose. And he'd do this. And he'd like do this with the, Gross human being, but and they call that the Heinrich maneuver. But what I got from that is, you could be famous. You could be famous for the Heinrich maneuver, but do you want to be famous for the Heinrich maneuver? <laughs> like, 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 is this your goal? Like, like you, you being famous isn't the thing. Being famous for something that you believe in and something that you are proud of, bro, that is an entirely different aspect of life That's, this is huge because you, you got on start talking about finding your finding your purpose yeah. and i think we were at that stage of moving into the nfl where transition started to become a priority resources were growing they were there but they weren't they weren't you know in your face in a way where we understood how much we needed to be intentional about yeah. that so what have you learned po- whether it's post-career that, you know, what does meaning look like to Imani Tumor? What is purpose? How has that come to fruition in a way where, you know, this is how I'm identifying my peace, my joy, my, and yeah. f- fulfillment? So my goal now is to make as many black millionaires as I can. 
It's dope. Because my business partner, we bought a company, which we bought it at a, with the, you know, with a $10 million valuation. It's probably going to be, you know, conservatively, could be a $100 million company. So I consider Excellent. that being my first move in making a, a black millionaire. Right? Yeah. And I think that it's very important for us to do business with each other. It's huge. Because, you know, we could give so much opportunity to each other. Absolutely. That we don't traditionally. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that learning about a Rolodex, learning how to call on people. Yeah. And it's not just like, oh, I'm calling on you because, you know, I want something from you. Oh, you I'm calling get... on you to check in. I'm calling on you because yes. I might have something for you. I'm calling on you because there are some opportunities. Yes. We need to look out for each other like that because they do. Oh, absolutely. They absolutely, absolutely. do. Absolutely. And like I said, I think this the beauty, the beauty of where we are today, and let me know your thoughts on this because I tell the, the internet obviously has bridged the gap and has become an equalizer because information is more available. And now we're in the content age where you got to give information to, to get an audience. You yeah, got to yeah. give information yeah, yeah. to get a client. Like yeah. you can't just say, I got this. And it's, and, yeah, and, say, prove it, <laughs> prove it. Right. Show me what you got. <laughs> so I, I'm so glad that you shared this because we're better positioned now than we ever were. Yeah. And I think that's the most exciting thing about what, what that true passion is. And, I, and number one, we need to realize it. And I always look at, the, like, we're learning from younger people, right? This is a collaboration generation. Like, mm. we didn't have access to our heroes no. growing up. It's like the coolest thing now to actually be able to potentially DM somebody that... Text, like, text LeBron. Like, he might, even, he he might, might even answer you. He might respond. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So has there been any, like, new interactions since you've been in the marketplace and, you know, understanding the power of collaboration? What has been the most exciting new relationship an opportunity that's been created. Well, I'm in the cannabis industry. And Go for that, it. that is one of the things that I really, um, you know, that, that I feel could be not only, um, you know, profitable for everybody oh, God, and yes. more, you know, like I said, millionaires, but it's a, it's a opportunity for our community who has taken the brunt of, uh, you know, uh, the prohibition of cannabis. Yeah. I mean, they were four times more likely to get arrested for it and, you know, and prison time. Absolutely. So it's one of those things where, you know, the, the criminal, the criminal justice system has gained a lot from putting us in prison. Absolutely. And people say, oh, it's a gateway drug. No, it's not a gateway drug. It's a gateway to the um, criminal justice system. Well, yes. Yeah, because once you, once you get that felony, once you get that felony, you're, excommunicated from most things in our society. Absolutely. So basically they've excommunicated a lot of, you know, black and brown people mm -hmm. because of this drug. It's not even a drug because of this plant. And now, you know, there's an opportunity to capitalize on it and who's capitalized on it. Not us. Yeah. Well, like I said, we, we know that, you know, and I think it's, it's, it's primarily about access, right? And that's the importance of where we stand today. Access to information, access to capital, technology. Access to capital is, right? is a big thing. We just haven't, we, we have, because of. But you, but we don't realize when you have access to capital. Like if you talk to people. There you go. You can get it. <laughs> you just got to talk to a lot of people. There it is. And you can't be like, uh, you know, like, I mean, I tried to talk to a couple of our teammates and they were like. No way, whatever. But that's cool. That's cool. That's cool. But, you know, because you only want people that want to invest. That's cool. But, like, at least I had the conversation. Yeah. You know, so there's a, there's a lot of, there, there's, you know. No, the, the world no, is right with opportunity yeah, in, in you, the marketplace. You can't be scared to ask. Mm -hmm. That's I think that's what me, I'm currently still trying to get over, right? Like, yeah. It's hard for me to go through the Rolodex and ask. But when you do. Like I went back to the Giants to try and put together a lot of things, not for Canada, for this, for, for a company that I was putting together. And they were so helpful. Like awesome. it was unbelievable how helpful they were. That's great to hear. And I was like, yo, I'm glad I had a good relationship with these people because, you know, they have access to everybody in New York City. If you have Seriously. access to everybody in New York City, you have access to everybody in the world. <laughs> so, you know, it's one of these things where you don't realize, you know, just how much access you have and access is money. I mean, there access is. is, access is, is business. Yes, it is. Because 
I was talking to my business partner the other day. He's a Wharton grad. He went to uh, um, um, UPenn. And he's like, all businesses is trust. Yeah, it is. He's like, you got to be, they got to be able to trust that if you give them money, if somebody gives you money or you give somebody money, that you're going to do what you say you're going to do. That's it. You'd be surprised how many people don't. Well, that's, that's the issue. And execute at a high level. And there's <laughs> a lot of dudes that don't execute at a high level, the level that we lived by that, for years. Well, I think that's what separates us. And as we're getting the knowledge, information, access, and mobilizing, you know, the, the well, you know, I'm talking about well hearse. You don't have yeah. to be a genius. Yeah. But the, the, the guy who has integrity as, who has that mindset, yeah. we're going to be the, the leaders and pioneers, man. It's so funny because we, uh, we were doing a, we were doing a, uh, we were doing a, um, a uh, application for one of these companies. Yeah. And uh, they were like, and we did an all-nighter, right? Me and my business partner. And my business partner was like, I've never done an all-nighter since college. I'm like, really? Like, like, like you know, in college, we used to get just athletes, you all nighters or something you got to do. Oh yeah. No doubt. You got, you got to write a paper. Oh, you got practice. It. You got this. Well, me up all night tonight, you know, I remember. And I was just like, wow. And I, you know, and it's, it's like, some of it is just like, it's, 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 and I already know this to be happening. Like most of us, I always, I'm focused, I always focus on our era because I felt like we were at a spot where you had to like, go look for resources versus knowing that resources existed. Mm -hmm. And of course, it's just a difficult tightrope to, is now there's more resources that are sexy, available. It's, you know, it's like- It's cool to be helped. It's cool to help former players. Yeah, it's, it's the thing now, right? Yeah. Like if somebody had to die for it, yeah. right? Like- The former players used to be like, <laughs> used to, like they used to say football players die twice, right? You die once you get out of the league and you die when you die. And I'm just like, <laughs> that's weird. You yeah, know? it was like, a weird thing to hear, <laughs> but like, and, 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 and internally, it can be that for a lot of dudes, but so, but I always felt like makeup wise, there's there's like the sweet spot of you know call it Generation X. I'm like I felt like we were the sweet spot generation. Yeah. Because you grow up with some of the you know like you're outside, you know your parents kind of trust you to figure certain things out, mm. but then when technology is just beginning to peak, mm. so you're interested. But you're not consumed. I don't. I could. I could leave my phone in my car. Yeah. For days, and then I'd care not care at all. Sure. I wish I could. You remember I, those? You remember those days when somebody used to call you on the phone, and yeah. they leave a message. Oh yeah. And you get back to them the next well, day. I still believe it. So I'm. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Like, but I tell people all the time. I said, well, listen. You know, between the family, yeah. life, and yeah. business, I'm like. Yeah. I might not get back to you. I might not get back to you. <laughs> and I really love you. Like, I, I care about you. <laughs> yeah. So you have, you're a man of, of, of a thousand interests. You have the history of Kung Fu as an athlete. <laughs> you're in a jujitsu now. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm learning that heavy, heavy right now into cycling. Yes. Tell me how you got into it and what, like, you're ingratiated into it. Talk, talk yeah, to me about I, well, how it's worked. When I first got done, I, I got... Um, hooked up with time timex and I, okay. ran, I ran the new york city marathon oh so i was really excited about that and i loved it and i loved running and it got me back to my game weight nice so i was like yo i'm just gonna be a runner but 13 years the nfl told me with my knees and ankles and hamstrings <laughs> and all they're like no nah, you ain't being a runner <laughs> so then i started doing like gym workouts and like working out just to work out just doesn't do it for me right i, like, I totally I need, understand i need like something to shoot for like we'd always work out on the off season but there was a season to work out for right absolutely me working out for vanity just doesn't do it for me right it's pretty difficult for me i still yeah. do it but it's yeah. definitely difficult but see you're like you're working out and you're like oh did it work no i gotta be like i don't care what it looks like i got a race coming up <laughs> no, and no. i'm gonna do my best you know so that that that's what gets me going that's dope. so now i i i uh, do a lot of grand fondos races like these like they're not races but they're like you kind of go against yourself and yeah. go against some other people but it's like you try to get the best time you can right nice and they're 100 mile bike races right so i did 100 one. miles bro yeah 100 miles takes about six hours i was trying to get them under six hours like anywhere under six hours that's what i was trying to do 17 miles an hour just for the record and monty tumor is the antithesis of david tyree <laughs> I don't have a golf game because I have seven kids. Amani's still finding six hours to jump on a bike. See, this, is, this is amazing, bro. Nah, but you, like I said, I always tell people you, you've earned it, man. Like, you know, you know, when you kind of have these little underdog stories, 
you know, like we could easily kind of like, oh man, well, I wasn't drafted or I got drafted yeah. in the sixth round. And I tell man, everybody earned it. Like mm -hmm. your college career earned you being a second rounder, first rounder. Uh, your pro career earned you broadcast opportunities. So I just want to give people their flowers, like your mentality, your approach is what earned you. I want to ask you this, like you've had, you're, you're in the marketplace, you're, 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 uh, you're biking, amazing family. What would you say is your moment? Like, you know, like if, if there was an accomplishment, um, a moment in your life or uh, an accomplishment that really is like this, this is, this was probably the most important or treasured experience that I've had. Oof. Um, I would probably be, you know, somewhat something surrounded by my, like my family and my kids, mm -hmm. even though it's like one of those things where, you know, right now I'm looking at it and I'm like, man, there's so much trouble. These kids aren't listening, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but I know like eventually when they grow up and you start seeing what you're talking about, the fruits and how they act and all the time you try to put in um, uh, to, you know, steering them in the right direction. Absolutely. I think my ultimate uh, thing that I'm most proud of, I haven't even accomplished, accomplished it yet. It's, I want to see how my kids are going to interact with the world. Like, I don't care if they're, you know, sports or not sports or whatever. I just want them to be confident. Yes. Um, more confident than I was growing up and educated, more educated than I was mm -hmm. and more interested because being interested is what gets you to Ooh. going to the next level. Who's this guy? <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my favorite yeah. conversations and, We'll we'll continue that conversation outside, but but that's actually the first time somebody's actually answered that question. One of the questions I want to, because you know you have amazing and iconic accomplishments and experiences. You have the pedigree. You're in the marketplace. You're in the cannabis industry, which is a, a, a wealth of opportunity on so many different layers, and you're on the forefront of that. But that's pretty amazing for you to acknowledge that. My moment's coming. It's you know? coming. Yeah, it's coming. <laughs> well, yeah. well, kudos to you and that. So here's here's like a little bit of a swan song I like to ask everybody. And obviously you were there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's always because. About when you dropped all those passes. All right, so we can talk about before. that. <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about that. I don't know why you hate that story. No, I actually don't. It's <laughs> it actually makes the, the catch so much better. It does. It really <laughs> does. It really does. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't hate the story. The funny thing about it when people tell it, and I, because I literally remember, like the practice was that bad, and I don't I, remember I, much. You don't remember that? Oh, no, you do no remember? I do okay. remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I dropped more than enough passes, and, and this, and I deserve this, right? So when you drop that many passes, it doesn't matter what you caught, right? Yeah. yeah. And I always remember the one period where you know, because I was taking, I blame it all on Plaxico because I was taking all his reps, right? It was unbelievable. It's, it's, it's insane. So he doesn't practice. He came back for what, like two weeks, like like right toward the end of the season. Yeah. And you know, like. He doesn't he practice, practice all year. He didn't practice that whole year. Which is an amazing feat, which yeah. I do have to acknowledge. Yeah. But he doesn't practice have, the whole year. I could have done that. I need, I need to practice. Bro, I, I, I needed everything. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> but I had this one period where I actually caught everything. And the only reason why I remember is because Tom Coughlin actually says something to me. But when you drop five, six, it doesn't matter, right? Like, But so... In light of that, right? <laughs> That's what, we guys have fun with that. <laughs> so that I don't know. Funny. I always like to ask everybody who comes on the pod, what was their vantage point when they saw the catch? I didn't see it, mm -hmm. and I really didn't honestly see it until we got back to the hotel. Really? So what were what were your thoughts? Oh man! What like what was going on in your head as a teammate? I never even actually directly asked you this question. You know, me and Plex were we were on the backside running the dig route. No doubt. I'm running at the sticks. He's running okay. it 10 yards past the sticks, right? So I'm figuring I'm going to get the ball because I'm at the sticks. I'm going to get the first down, whatever. <laughs> so I run in my route. I'm open, right? And I'm running across. And I'm like, where's Eli? And then I'm like, and then I see him come out. You know, he comes yeah. out from the tackle. And then I'm like, all right, yeah, I'm right here. Then I see him drop his shoulder like this. I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and then he throws the ball. And me and Plax said this thought the same thing. Fourth and ten. Damn. Well, excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's all good. He's like, fourth and ten. And I and then we're looking up in the air, and I'm like, maybe Dave got it. 
And then I see um, um, Smitty, Steve Smith. No, I see Rodney. Lo- Rodney. I see Rodney. And I'm like, dang, fourth and 10. <laughs> this is great. Bro. And then, and so then no I. faith in you, boy. I, I, I had no idea. Well, he's right? a tight. He's no a idea. back there. So I'm like, oh, he ain't going to catch it. Not because you dropped it or anything, but just because it was a tight coverage. Yeah. Right? He was like, your hands were up. His hands were like getting ready to go between them. So I figured, you know, most times that's a, that's a PBU. Yeah. So, and then you, the, the crowd starts going crazy. And I'm like, what happened? Because <laughs> I didn't see it either. <laughs> it's so then Eli's raw running up. We're like, FedEx, FedEx. Because we didn't know if you caught it or not. No doubt. And so... I'm at the line and I'm like, Eli, let's go. Let's go. Cause I'm on the inside. Let's go. Eli goes, look this. Hold on. <laughs> bro, I'm dead right now. It's like, he's like, hold on. He gave you the Obi wan out there, he's bro. Like, I, we got this. And then your, your boy, um, the other, uh, Belichick called the timeout to yep. challenge it. And, uh, and then I saw it for the first time and I'm like, holy moly because i was like oh he got it oh here's where it's gonna hit the ground i was like here's where it's gonna hit the ground here's where what the it was amazing that's crazy and then uh and then me and and then i remember plexo was like man this is we're not gonna make that catch irrelevant we got we got score and we can so (laughs) yeah that's dope yeah now like literally the the funniest thing about it is i don't know where i was i must have been spaced out i knew i caught the ball right so it wasn't like but i i'm like I just made the catch. Like, what, like what, what's now, the, what's the problem? Like, <laughs> what the problem like, is? <laughs> I went up, you know, so that's, that's always dope here at everybody's vantage yeah. point. And I know what it means to you. I know what it means. You know, obviously we're Super Bowl champions, yeah. so I know what it means to us yeah. to actually have that. Yeah. But it's really dope hearing different people's stories, yeah. what it meant to them, even from a fan perspective. But, bro, we got a lot more to, to, to keep talking about. Definitely have you back home, man. Yeah. And um, like I said, I, you've always been... That, that leading force is a young player coming in, leading the way. You're, you're still doing so. Your children are going to be dynamic and great, bro. So I can't wait for that moment to come to fruition, man. Thank you for being a guest. All right, thanks for having me, man. I uh, love being on and I love what you got going on here, man. This is, this is a podcast where you can talk the truth and just speak your mind and stretch it out a little bit. That's it, bro. And we, and we're <laughs> stretch gonna, it out a little bit. We're going to keep the platform buzzing, man. <laughs> But listen, I want to thank everybody for tuning in with this podcast. Make sure you subscribe, YouTube, whatever. Man, we everywhere, bro. YouTube, Spotify, Apple. Get it where you can get it. Holla at your boy, David Tyree. Catch the most.